sense. And then again, at the same time, made absolutely no sense at all. Excuse me, you said that out loud? <laughs> he said every woman I've ever. <laughs> that's because that's, that's he's 24. That's bad. That's bad. I'm working with him. He's under construction. That's all right. He, he, he is saved. He is saved. I can, I <laughs> but but yeah, there, are, there are sometimes things in life, statements that, that we hear that make sense, but then at the same time, they make no sense at all. In fact, there's a word that, that we have to describe that. It's called a paradox. A paradox, right? Seemingly absurd or self-contradictory, like an oxymoron. He's a giant shrimp. What do you mean it's a giant shrimp? Is it a shrimp or is it a giant? No, it's a giant shrimp. But, yeah, I, I don't understand. Here, let me, let me elaborate a little more. A paradox is a statement that seems absurd or contradictory, but yet can be true or at least makes sense. Take the statement, for instance, less is more. You've heard that. How many people have ever even said that? Less is more. And, and, and so it uses two words that are actually contrary to one another, but yet it makes a true statement. How can less be more? Well, the concept behind the statement is that what is less complicated is often more appreciated. Huh? Sometimes you walk into a, uh, uh, um, my mom, love, uh, we, we used to call them chachis, chachis. She'd go to the dollar store. She'd buy them a dime a dozen, like, you know, all these little things. So she had these curios and displacements, and it just seems that every piece of furniture within the house had a bunch of little things on them. And, you know, in the beginning when it starts, oh, yeah, yeah, oh that's cute, that's cute. But then all of a sudden it becomes so filled with chachis, you can't even make any of them out. They're all, like, bunched in together. And, 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 and I used to tell mom, ma, Less is more. Less is more. She never got it. <laughs> Here. And we got all the chachis. <laughs> God, praise you, Lord. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give you some more examples of, 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 of a couple of statements that are paradoxical. You can save money by spending it. Some people say you got to spend money to make money. But if I'm spending money, how am I making money? Or if I'm making money, why am I spending the money? But yet, there is a, a, a certain amount of truth in that statement. I know one thing. I know nothing. Huh? Isn't that what Billy Graham said? Like, you know, the more I know, the more I realize I don't know. Huh? Socrates? Eckert? I know that I know nothing. <laughs> that is so true in my house. <laughs> this is the beginning of the end. <laughs> what? It's the beginning of the end. It's almost the end of me in a minute. <laughs> or, or sometimes sometimes you meet somebody that, you know, like who saw the movie Shallow How? It could be a little shallow. You know what? Deep down, you're really shallow. What? Hold on a second. How could, how, could, how could I be shallow and yet have that amount of depth in me? How could I be deep down and shallow? Come on. 
One of my favorite uh, um, poets, I, I love Robert Frost, men work together whether they work together or apart. Isn't that the truth? Because I could be doing something by myself here, but it's when men come together. If, I work, if I'm working here and you're working there and you're working there, but ultimately whatever we're laboring on collaboratively, we could still all be working together. We're just working independently. Paradoxal statements, paradoxal statements. You know where we can find some really good, solid, paradoxal statements? In the Bible. In the Bible, sure. And we're going to open up our scriptures to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. Chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. Also, uh, this passage of scripture is, is also known as the marks of the ministry. The marks of the ministry. And this is something that we really need to take a look at. Um, not, only, not, only, not only for us, what are some of the implications that we have in regards to stepping out into the work of the ministry? What can we expect? What can be expected? Hmm? And the word of God is read in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We then, as workers together with him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed. But in all things, we commend ourselves as ministers of God. In much patience and tribulation, in needs and distress, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, in fastings. By purity, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich in having nothing and yet possessing all things. Let us pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your word. We thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit, which illuminates us, teaches us concerning all things. We plead the blood over of Jesus over us, O oh God, that your mercy will meet us where we're at, where our transgressions and shortcomings do not keep us away from you, O oh God, but clothed in righteousness have the opportunity and the authority to come into your presence with boldness, O oh God, asking you to teach us, to open up our eyes, to open up our hearts and our ears, Lord God, to receive what you would have for us this morning, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So, we then as what? 
workers. Uh, bring, bring me back one. So we then as workers together with him. Workers, workers. I wanted to know what that actually meant because I want to know what his expect, expectation of me is. Don't you want to know what God's expectation of you is? Right? So here now Paul is writing and he says, we then as workers with him. Sun ergo, sun ergo. If we compare the word synergist or synergism from the word soon, which means together and ergo to work, hence to cooperate, help, and collaborate. It's a working together. Not on my own. I can't do it on my own. But when you and I come together and we apply ourselves to it, then we're able to manage it. Then we're able to accomplish it. So we need to be workers. Now, it doesn't mean to be a busy bee and working in my own little bubble. What he's really saying is that to be a worker that is united with other workers, to be able to come together to complete a task and or mission. Hence, that's the definition of teamwork. Two or more men gather together to complete a task and or mission. So now he says that we are these co-laborers with who? We're not just co-laborers with each other. We're co-laborers with him. Notice in verse 3, it states that we are, co- we are workers with him. We are working with God. God chooses to make us his partners. Now, how, how much confidence do you think you would have when you walk into a boardroom on a business meeting and you know that you're in partnership with Almighty God? I'd be pretty confident. I'd be pretty confident, yeah. You know, because sometimes you're known by by your company you keep. Huh? Birds of a feather. Oh, come on now. Help me preach this message this morning. Come on. You're known. Bad company corrupts good morals. You're known by who you who you're associated with, huh? So, so when you turn around, it's 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 different for me to go say, "Hey, listen, I wanna I, I wanna apply for 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 a loan, a business loan," and they turn around and say, "Oh, okay, who's your partner?" And I turn around and I say, "Barney." What Barney? The purple dinosaur? Or you turn around and say, "Who's your partner?" Oh, I'm coming in. You know, um, Apple is one of our greatest supporters. I be what? Sign off on the loan. Why? Because. You've got some credibility. How do I know you have credibility? Because you've built the credibility by the people that are co-signing themselves to you. So you could tell a lot about an individual by the company they keep. Huh? So sometimes your reputation automatically, I, I can't even tell you how, and, and it's crazy because, you know, when, when, when God takes the broken things of this world and turns them around, you know, for 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 once, having one of those household names that lock the door, and then all of a sudden to have a name that says, "Please come in. How can we help you?" How? This is how God has transformed my position and my life. So so this what I'm telling you isn't isn't because it's book knowledge. This what I'm telling you is that I've lived it. God can take the broken things. He can take the things. Bad reputation, the things that, all, all of this stuff. And he can then bring it, transform it, add newness to it. And he says through the Bible that he will take all things and make them new. 
brand spanking new. So, so where you had no influence, now all of a sudden people are calling you and asking for you. How does that happen? How do you go from that to this? Co-laboring with the Lord. Co-laboring with the Lord. That means that there's to labor. To labor is to work. Sometimes, you know what, in this walk of faith, we got to be willing to roll up our sleeves and say, all right, Lord, what are some of the things that I need to work on? Hmm? What are some of the skill sets that I need to develop in order to be able to better support your vision and the things that you're trying to accomplish? Because if I'm a co-laborer with you, oh God, and I'm working with you, I already know where your standard is. Woo, come on. Now, now, Lord, I need your help to make me be able to come up to that standard. This is what he promises to do for us. And notice what he continues to say, not to receive the grace of God in vain. So, so he's pleading, he's co-laboring with God and pleading with God that they would not receive the grace of God in vain, which then gives us the the the. You know, by 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 uh, um, by default, we know that then we can receive God's grace in vain. If He's pleading for them not to receive God's grace in vain, that means that there's some of us that have received, can receive His grace, and have it in vain. Which is to say that it is possible to miss the benefit of God's grace. How is it that we, of people, can 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 miss the benefits of his grace. What do we what what do people generally lock themselves into when it comes to when it comes to faith? All of a sudden it becomes religion again. Faith can then turn back into religion. You could you could be in religion, step out of religion, come into relationship, and then based on relationship, you can't step back into religion again. When when you're bound by the legalism of the law, when when, when all of a sudden it becomes the list again of the do's and don'ts, how I'm supposed to act, how am I supposed to behave, what am I supposed to wear, what is acceptable, what is not acceptable. You can't go to church like that. What, there's a dog in the sanctuary? That's impossible. All of the things that all of a sudden come out and people want to make big fusses about. But where's the heart of God in it? Where's the heart of God? We need to be able to receive God's grace and receive it, not in vain, but to really be set free and delivered from the oppression. It's the adversary that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But he has come to give life and to give it to us more abundantly. And this is what Paul was trying to tell them. And this is why Paul went back 700 years and quoted the prophet Isaiah in the 49th chapter and the 8th verse when he said, In an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. So now Paul wrote that 700 years before Christ. Now Paul was declaring in his day that now, now was God's appointed time, his kairos. Kairos, not like chronos, like chronology in time, but kairos is a time when conditions are right for the accomplishment of a crucial action. 
the opportune and decisive moment when the things fall into alignment, we're in a Kairos moment. It's in a Kairos time. It's an appointed time and an appointed place that has been ordained and orchestrated by God. You know when you're in a Kairos moment. I'll explain. You ever walk around and all of a sudden God puts something on your heart that you need to pray for somebody? Huh? And then that person just happens to come across your path? Coincidentally. God orchestrates our steps. And all of a sudden, what we would take as as coincidence really is God bringing forth a Kairos moment in time. I have chosen this time and this place for a specific task. And so when we realize realize that and we're equipped to handle that, then all of a sudden we recognize, boom, I got it, I got it, I got it. And God orchestrates and guides us. So when is the right time to accept God's grace? Right now. Right now. Every moment is an accepted and appropriate time to accept God's grace. What Paul was declaring that what was written 700 years ago, now in his day and at that time to his hearers, now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. And from that moment forward, every day, every moment that we live, that we breathe, that we have our capabilities upon us to be able to reason and communicate, it's our job and obligation to be bringing that Kairos moment to the lives and the individuals as we come across them. The right time to accept God's grace is now, now. Why is it so important for it to be now and not later? Because, you know, how, how many of y'all know I'm a, I'm a guy and guys like to procrastinate? Why are y'all looking at my wife? Don't, don't look into the corner. <laughs> guys like to procrastinate. It's one of those things, right? Like I just want to push it off and push it off. And, 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 and it's, what, it's what we do. I'm sorry, babe. That we're built that way. But I'm working on it. I'm a work in progress. She's working hard on me. The reason why it's important to, to, to seize the moment, the Kairos moment, is because there's going to be a, come a time when that opportunity will no longer be there. Genesis, right in the beginning, chapter 6, verse 3. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh. And yet he became flesh, and the flesh is really the product of sin. That's why its nature, its desires, its hungers is always sinful. It can be stuff that, you know, you're not so comfortable doing it out in the open. So, you know, you want to put a little shade on it. The flesh and its desires. Huh? Oh, it's, it's deceitful and wicked. And God said it's because of that that I'm not going to forever strive with man. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to keep contending. And I, I can understand what God was feeling at that moment in time because there times I look at my son, I'm, like, I'm not going to continue to contend with you. I don't know. I do cocotazo, so do cocotazo. Chapter 6, verse 3. Who knows what a cocotazo is? That's a Spanish, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what Rob gets. 
Listen to what Proverbs has to say. Chapter 1, verse 24 through 33. Because I have called, because I have called and you refused. I have stretched out my hand and no one regarded. Because you disdained my counsel and would have none of my rebuke, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your terror comes. When your terror comes like a storm and your destruction comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call on me. But I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they're not going to find me. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would have none of my counsel and despised my every rebuke. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their own way and be filled to the full with their own fancies. For the turning away of the simple will slay them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will dwell safely and will be secure without fear of evil. My, 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 my point here, most, my point most, great, most greatly here to be made is, is that they hated knowledge. Because they hated knowledge. What's the difference between knowledge and wisdom? What's the difference between knowledge and wisdom? What was that? Knowledge is what you know. And wisdom is how to apply it. So you could you can ha- you can be a bookworm and have a lot of knowledge, but if you don't have the ability to apply that knowledge, what good is that what 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 good is what what good is all that knowledge? You could have it, you could be book smart, but if you have no uh, op- no way of translating that knowledge into practical, applicable situations, then all of that knowledge is for naught. It's in vain. It's only when we can couple our knowledge and, and, and bring it into wisdom, into application, that then we can make an impact. Amen? And it was because they hated knowledge. They hated knowledge. How many people, I mean, I, people would counsel me all the time, and they would we either want to hear it or we don't want to hear it. We're either going to take it or we're not going to take it. We're, we're either open to it or we're not open to it. This person, they think they're so smart. If they're... Or, wow, that's deep. Hold on a second. Explain that to me. Let, me. let me take some notes on that. Knowledge. Do we hate it or do we love it? If we love knowledge and we're hungry, hungry and thirsty after it, then all of a sudden we're going to be able to have information. When life and experience happens, we can take that information and translate it into an action, and now because of the experience, we now have wisdom. So everything that makes the difference between the knowledge and wisdom is the experience. Amen? So my, 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 my encouragement to you this morning is, not to let any more moments go by without sharing the hope of glory that you have received. If you feel like you haven't received his grace yet, 
I want you to know I'm going to give an opportunity at the end of this service, at the conclusion of this message. And we're going to give opportunity for you to be able to receive that. But if you have received it, if you know that you know that you know the blood of Jesus has covered the multitude of your sins and you have been set free, not based upon your works, but by the free gift of God, then that grace that you have is one to impart not to withhold. Amen? He says in verse 3 that we give no offense in anything. That that word offense is a word that we've heard before in the Bible and also translate into stumbling blocks. We create no stumbling blocks to those who are seeking the faith. We, we're careful not to leave anything lying around that may cause someone else to fall. Meaning Paul was really above reproach he was he understood that there were things that maybe were legal for him that, that were fine he was righteous he was set free these things don't held no bounds but yet because of others that were younger in faith what what, what did he choose to do withhold practice self-discipline if it's something that may cause someone who's seeking the faith to stumble and fall then at that moment in time, who's the most important person? The one that's far from God. So if this person may take an offense or it may confuse them because they see my action, I got to turn around and say, you know what? I'm going to withhold from acting in that way just so that I know that we are not creating a stumbling block, an offense to those who are seeking the faith. And so he wraps this up from verse 3. And he goes into his qualifications. And, and, and I'm going to quickly move through these. You know what? I'm not going to quickly move through these. I hear you. I'm not going to quickly move through these. This may turn into a little mini-series. He goes forward, and as we read, he gives forth his qualifications for the ministry. He, he basically writes a resume in, his, in it, listing his skill sets as what? What's, it, what's his job title? Min being a minister of God. As a minister of God, he brings forth his qualifications that is broken down into three parts. Experience, equipment, and then the paradox of what the call of ministry is. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna pause it there and we're gonna pick it up not next week but the following week. Because it's just too good. I, I we, we, we can't we're not gonna rush through the word of God, amen. I do feel and I know that there is a word that was here this morning. Uh Lynn, can you come up? We're gonna do this a little a, a little differently. But um, Lynn was praying and in, in worship. I'll, go ahead, take it from there. House mic. Uh, as uh, as we were doing worship, a word kept on coming back to me, and um, it's for somebody here, I believe. I can be wrong, but uh, somebody who's been having trouble with the cervical spine. When you turn, you turn your neck. You've been getting sh shooting pains of it. God wants to heal that. If any, if that's any of you, 
Any been having trouble with your cervical spine? Is there is there anyone here that's been having trouble with the cervical? God oh, God wants to heal that. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. We can come up here and have our plan. Um, how sensitive are we to allow the Holy Spirit to come and wreck our plans? Amen. Um, I mean, Judy, let me know how you make it. Uh, I'm, we're going to continue to pray for you and pray for that. So let, I, I want you to know. Um, just real quickly, is, 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 there, is there anyone else that needs a prayer of healing? I want, I want, I want an opportunity, Lynn. Yeah, come. Bianca? Yeah? Tina, come on. All right, so, so we're going to close this service out just a little differently than we normally do. Yeah? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, Tina, come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. 